I'm just gonna hit the button. Button. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. If you got just a little money but a whole lot of heart, Doug and Mo will sit back and watch your art. It's their duty just doing their part. Now let's hear if they recommend it or not. Uh, no budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. Mo porn and Doug Tilly. No budget nightmares. No Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to <laughs> No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Hey Doug, do you find that as the new theme song plays, you just kind of like dancing to yourself in the in your chair? I just love hearing my voice. Not my voice. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, 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 you love hearing your voice. I do love hearing my voice, but I love just hearing my name be sung. It is pretty uh, great. I wish, I wish actually everyone who listened to the show would write their own song about me, but maybe not all negative. <laughs> and I'm glad that, 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 that in the opening theme that they were able to rhyme art with a whole bunch of things but didn't use fart. Right. Classic, because yeah. I wouldn't be able to. to I wouldn't avoid have either. I, in fact, I mean, I think it, I think anybody who's followed my musical career knows that my biggest hit is a song called "I Like to Fart." So, it's uh, well, that one is based on a true story. It is though, based right? on a true story. It's based on fact. So, I do, in fact, on... like to fart. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that poem that you had, so you had to transfer that into song. Right, right. Um, Mo, we're back on No Budget Nightmares, our last episode of 2013. Oh yeah. Babu, I don't know if this is actually going to drop before the end, but this is officially our year-end show, uh, and we have something very, very special planned for it. Yes. Two, three. Just waiting to see how much silence you could uh, fit in this. <laughs> yeah, <episode>. right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know that it's good post- podcasting to let at least four seconds go in between comments. Uh, and we give good podcasts. We do give I, good I've podcasts. Heard that By the way, speaking of which, this is actually going to be um, our Christmas present to the world. Uh, this episode will go up on the 23rd. Holy shit, you're really going to get that out that quickly? I will get this out that quickly. You're going to take it out, you're going to give it to us that quickly. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, for those who don't know, and you should know because you've listened to the previous episode, which is solid gold all the way through, on this episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast, we are covering, I mean, we're going back to the beginning. The beginning. The very beginning of shot on video horror. Now, again, as I mentioned at the end of the previous show, this isn't the oldest film that we've covered, but it is the oldest shot on video film that we've ever covered. Yep. And it's the one that's sort of the granddaddy of them all. We've covered Sledgehammer. We've uh, covered Blood Cult. Those are kind of the two biggies that came after this. But the real granddaddy is 1982's Boarding House. Boarding House. Boarding House. Uh, directed by John Wintergate. 1982. That's a long time ago, Mo. What were you doing in 1982? Uh, being weaned off my mama's teat. Were were you in the process of being weaned off? Probably. Or 
Yeah. So <laughs> maybe we'll get your mother on and, and dep- we'll no, get no, more I'm details. not letting you anywhere near my mother. <laughs> <laughs> She'd be into it. You two me. already have a, have the weirdest relationship I've ever seen. <laughs> what can I say? I just uh, anyone that that has such a distinct emotional connection with you, Mo, I have to kind of grip onto and find <laughs> out more about. It's <laughs> I want to become you is what I'm trying right, to say. Right. All right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> 1982's Boarding House. Uh, now, this movie, um, it being shot on video, it being in that early stages of of uh, of these kind of movies getting wider release, uh, it's still it's still in that stage where they're trying to sort of emulate the kind of movies that are popular at that time. Mm. Uh, obviously, with lower budgets and with less professional actors, uh, but you know, there's echoes of other films in this, in Blood Cult, and in Sledgehammer. But I would say, out of those three movies, this one is the most fucked up. This one's like it gets to a point where it's just so hard to follow, you know. And he introduced. I mean, the, the the biggest problem is that he introduces like six characters in the course of like five minutes. Yeah, and then you're trying to remember who the hell is who, and like three of them are blondes and two of them are brunettes, and they all look the same. It's like who is who in this fucking movie? Yeah, I try, and and then new characters start to appear at right. some point and are never introduced, and it gets so confusing. Right. So and it, I mean it gets once you've seen it all the way through once. It's a little bit easier because you can kind of uh, – it's kind of an awful thing to do. But you can sort of paint certain characters with a certain brush. Right. And it's like that's the character with the terrible fake accent. Right. And that's the character with the awful hair. Right. And, you know, I mean it's just a little bit easier in yeah. that way. But, but it's that's still – That's the one who likes to get her tits out. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, Mo, come on. What? This is a children's show. Uh, yes, it's a children's show. <laughs> well, uh, well Boarding House – Well, if that's the case – the boarding house um, is much better. Boarding house was actually released into theaters back in the early '80s. It was transferred to 35 millimeter and actually projected, which is such a I can't even imagine what audiences must have thought at the time. Because this movie, uh, it recently in the last couple of years got a DVD release, which is a director's cut, or it last it has like original cut and director's cut on it, and it adds an hour of footage Ugh. to the movie, which is already uh, just over 90 minutes. And I'm, I haven't seen the unexpurgated, expurgated. <laughs> I don't Expo- know. <laughs> I haven't seen the uncut version, but I, uh, I can't, I can't imagine sitting through this for that long. But I also am very curious about the idea that there's so many sort of lingering plot holes in this movie, and time passes in such a bizarre way. I just wonder if it kind of covers up a lot of that kind of plot extra material. Or. There's just like 15 more pool scenes. Maybe. There's a lot of pools. Here's the thing about this movie as well, and we're really going to get into it when we start talking about this movie yes, because we, we got a fuckload of cl- clips to play. I mean, it, this is going to be never This might ending. be a record. Yeah, this, this, this might be. Uh, how many is it? Like 28, 28 sound clips. Yeah. Uh, this movie, when you start to dig into the history of this movie and what the actors and especially the creators have done since then, it's a rabbit hole that you might never escape from. Right. Uh, and you John almost Winter- you got very close to being caught down that hole. I was stuck there for a few days. Yeah, you were. <laughs> John Wintergate, the director, uh, is a member of a musical group with his uh, wife, <laughs> Kalasu. <laughs> Uh, and they're called <laughs> they're called uh, a class who was actually in this f- uh, film. Uh, in fact, she's the, the female lead. Uh, the one they have character a band. whose name I know. 
right, and the one that gets the most screen time, they have a band called Lightstorm uh, because they are the follower of... The light. Uh, I'm not going to go into the detail on it. You can look up Lightstorm online, but you, you might should recall, look up Lightstorm online. I've I posted some of their music videos over on the No Budget Nightmares page. But the thing to understand is that in the late '60s, if you were a musician, uh, the Beatles and uh, I know Pete Townsend from the Who and lots of musicians started to look to uh, the East for religious and spiritual guidance, I guess. Uh, and lots of them hooked up with. <laughs> I mean, religions and representative spiritual people that they... The word you're looking for is cults. Yeah, I mean, sort of cultish. (laughs) I don't want to be too offensive. Very very cultish. But some of them are kind of ridiculous, and they're uh, like a person is supposed to be like a reincarnated... uh, Yeah, I'm not saying they're necessarily dangerous. I'm just saying they're definitely cults. Well, they're certainly dumb, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Not not to be offensive or anything like that. Well, uh... (laughs) The the Beatles got over it because it wasn't there. It was a big scam. Because the drugs ran out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, and I mean, some you know, the, the, some of these musicians continue to follow even to this day. One of those people are the members of Lightstorm, who still are very involved uh, with this kind of spiritual teaching. And uh, yeah, there's lots and lots of information out there. They've recorded 15 albums, written eight books, and it's hard to reconcile that in my mind. With the pervy old bastard <laughs> who stars in this movie yeah. and wrote it and directed it, he is uh, because he was already a follower. I mean, he started yeah. following this person in the late sixties. Yeah, he's surprisingly lecherous in this. He's supposed to, like this is really strange. It, it kind of has a, a, a similar uh, thing going on that Sledgehammer did, where this main character is such a scummy asshole the entire fucking movie that it's really hard to understand how he's supposed to be the good guy. Right. I was constantly waiting in this movie for it to turn, like, to, for someone else to kind of step up and be like, oh, I'm the person you're supposed to really care about because obviously it's not this dude right. wearing the leopard print fucking bikini underwear. Fucking banana hammocks. <laughs> but uh, but it's not. He is He's supposed to be the dude. And uh, he... I described him to Mo that if you wanted, if you haven't seen this film before, he, he looks like. Uh, remember in the Thriller video, the Michael Jackson video, when Michael Jackson turns into a zombie, uh, he has sort of that sloping forehead and his yeah. eyes get really wide. He looks like that except white, like the white guy so, version of that. Yeah, he's the white guy version of that, and that is that's like spot on. I it's think. crazy accurate. It's incredibly accurate. <laughs> uh, and uh, and we get to see so much of him, Ugh. and. The whole. It also seems like this whole movie is designed around getting as many women around him as possible and opportunities for them. He, like it's. He plays basically like a Hugh Hefner. We got to talk about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to make a judgment because obviously this is a character that he's playing. But if you're the writer and you're the director and you just happen to be the guy who all the action centers around in the movie, it's hard not to label you as some sort of weird perv. Right. <laughs> If it looks like a foot fetishist and it smells like a foot fetishist, it's obviously a Quentin Tarantino Tarantino film. (laughs) I mean, just saying. (laughs) Not to jump on the punchline there, Mo. Yeah, no, but (laughs) everyone knew Uh, where I was going with that one. Boarding House also has the uh, unique distinction of being filmed in Horror Vision. And Horror Vision is this thing. (laughs) It's actually one of the neater elements of the movie where when something particularly brutal is going to happen, uh, a sort of music sting happens and you get this really crazy visual of a black glove. Yeah, a gloved Uh, hand. 
a gloved hand. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the glove hand has like this sort of like rainbow thing emanating from it. Sometimes it's just a gloved hand, but either yeah. way, it's the same image. Yeah, and that's when you're supposed to turn away because it has disturbing imagery. Has but I love, but I, but I, but I love that they give the warning at the beginning that I'm that I'll I'll play for everybody now. Uh, here, I'll, let me just play this. Yeah, let's play it. Let's listen to the yeah. warning. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a warning. To protect <laughs> theater owners and the makers of this horror vision film, viewers with nerve or heart conditions are advised to cover their eyes and ears whenever <laughs> this object appears on the screen. Gloved hand. Or whenever this sound is heard. Thank you. Wow. Now, it makes me wonder if, because, like, the way my computer picks things up is it picks it up directly from, like, the soundboard, so to speak. Sure. So I kind of wonder if it's going to pick it up the way that it actually plays, because the all the talking in that is played out of the right speaker. Then when the and sound this... effect comes in, it's played out of the left speaker. Yeah, I mean, we watched uh, different versions of this movie, but uh, and on mine, there were some sound issues like that as well, where like all of the sound would come out of one uh, speaker and not the other, and that's just like a constant issue in the I, entire movie. I found it, it took me so long to get through this movie, A, because of, well, because of the movie itself, but B, because the sa- I found the sound issues to be so distracting that it just it ended up taking me hours longer than I, than it should have to, <laughs> to finish setting up all the sound clips and doing all that stuff because it just I couldn't get it past myself. I'm like, oh, this is so wrong. I wanted to just go in and fix it. Mo constantly boarding house, more like boring house, yeah. <laughs> more like that's boarding that's... house. Yeah, that's pretty much the same joke. <laughs> Boom. The boarding house logo was really great though. It's, uh, it reminds me of the sledgehammer uh, logo. Yeah, it's, it's like dripping uh, blood. Drip and blood, and uh, and the opening credits, which happened right away, uh, we find out that John Wintergate, the director and and star and writer, he uh, he likes to use a bunch of pseudonyms because I guess he didn't want to seem like he had a big ego. Right. He goes by the name uh, Hawk Adley. Wow. Which is funny because his wife Victoria, uh, his wife in the movie, sorry, his wife in real life is Colossu, who is Victoria in the movie, but she is certainly credited as Colossu. Yeah. Do you think it's Kalasu? I think it's Kalasu. Kalasu. Yeah, because Kalasu sounds way too much like it's like this hulking robot who wants to. Well, she's take the over amazing Kalasu woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's great she's the X Men, Kalasu. That's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, during this opening credits, we get some great theme music. Let's have a little listen. I actually really like the music. Yeah, this is the, probably the best part of the movie. <laughs> I mean, between the gloved hand and this sort of uh, odd synth-type music, you, you could be excused for thinking that this is going to be sort of a uh, Jello-esque movie. Yeah. It's not, It's by not. The way. <laughs> not by any means. Screenplay by Jonama. That's how uh, John Wintergate's screenplay credit is in the film. Which, whatever, man. Whatever he wants to do. It's fine by me. Right. There's some. There's so much weird shit coming up. Uh, <laughs> the opening credits is also very strange because it ends with 
sort of this this weird screaming. It actually that also made me think of of sort of the opening credits of like Suspiria and stuff too, where it has sort of this odd kind of soundscape happening. Yeah, almost like a woman having an orgasm. You mean like this? Damn, girl. Tone it down, Colossu. <laughs> Take it down a notch, Colossu. <laughs> that uh, this opening sequence is followed by uh, something, <laughs> something to tone the uh, the excitement levels down, which is a guy reading a computer uh, screen. Basically, I love uh, the I love the fact that I don't know if it was for you, but it was for me. That screen was so dark that I couldn't read what was actually saying. So I was I was really happy that the guy was actually saying it <laughs> because I couldn't read. If if I was be if I had been required to simply read what was happening on the screen, then I would have been fucked. I wouldn't have had any idea what was going on because I could not read any of it. Well, thankfully, he did read. Everything. It was, was dark on green screen. on black. <laughs> well, just going to give you the quick sort of gist of what this uh, this police officer, I guess, says. He's reading out the history of the house, the boarding house in the question, Hoffman and house. the fact that a bunch of uh, terrible things have happened in it, a bunch of crimes. Uh, it started with Don Hoffman and his wife, who were like authorities on telekinesis and the occult, of course. and they ended up getting uh, murdered. In their house, and their mutilated bodies were discovered, I guess, after a party or something back in 1972. And their child testified to it being a double suicide. Remember that. Right. It might become important later. (laughs) It's the closest thing to foreshadowing in this entire film. We also learned that that youth who uh, testified was later committed to a sanitarium. Sure, that won't be important either. So, you know. Hold off on that. <laughs> so after that, we get sort of it's it because we don't know what to expect at this point. It's hard to say like what is like if you're watching this for the first time, it just seems so strange. You get sort of these quick clips of things happening. There's a guy who's uh, relaxing by a pool, and then he just suddenly falls in. Uh, and then we see like a woman cleaning plates in a house, and uh, then her power goes out, and she puts her hand in the garbage disposal, and it turns on, and she, well, you know what happens. No, tell me. She gets all uh, <laughs> like her hand fucked up oh. by the garbage disposal. I love that. Yeah, I happened. actually kind of re- I love that effect. Uh, you know, the problem yeah. the problem is the beginning of this movie kind of sets you up for a totally different film. Yeah, it's like it's going to be really brutal. Yeah, you right? kind of expect it to be like a sledgehammer, you know, and, uh, and and like all this blood splurting up out of the out of the uh, out of the sink, and then it's like kind of like nothing happens. Yeah, and it it. it it's supposed to be, I guess, almost like Amityville horror-ish in the sense that, you know, you know these or even Shining-ish, where something bad is sort of repeatedly happening. Mm. But uh, it doesn't really connect together at this point. And you're right, tonally, things are about to get very different. Yeah. <laughs> very, very different. I think, long story short, we get up to present day, present day 1982, and we meet James. James is given the keys to the boarding house because I think it's his uncle or something that ends up uh, being the last person who dies there. Right. He has like a stroke or something like that. Uh, and what what is the most distinctive aspect of, of James when we first see him? Uh, that he looks like a yuppie scumbag? <laughs> He's got this big hair. He does have big, and ridiculous And a skinny tie, right? Yep. Uh, he, he looks like 1982. He does look like form. 1982. 
It's like they took it all and just kind of mushed it together, yeah. and uh, that's that's who it becomes. If they asked regular show to dress a character in from 1982, this is what it would look like. <laughs> and uh, and I wouldn't have thought at this point that James was going to be the character we're going to spend all of our time with. I didn't either. But uh, but prepare yourself because. He, this is the douchebag <laughs> that we will be spending all of our time with. Yeah, I thought now, they were just sort of setting him up to be killed. You yeah, know? absolutely. It certainly seems like it. Or at the very least, like, tortured throughout the thing. But no, he, he's pretty much okay. Uh, <laughs> so then we get a scene in the sanitarium, which also made me think that this was going to be a big aspect of the movie. All of this seems so strange talking about it in retrospect because it becomes such a non-issue. Right. So we... <laughs> Uh, we get uh, sort of these doctors having a conversation. There's a female doctor named Sherry, and uh, and I guess she has a friendship with one of the other uh, doctors that are in the sanitarium. Right. And she she goes into an office, and she ends up uh, passing over the file while she looks sort of hypnotized to someone wearing black gloves. Right, and and of course you have to like the black gloves is the big giveaway because you were told at the beginning that you have that anytime you see the black gloves you know something bad's gonna happen so you see the black gloves and you're like oh something bad's gonna happen little did we realize that they literally meant when you see just that one hand movement <laughs> that's when something bad's gonna happen no I, so we get Sherry uh, she's uh, seems to be under some kind of control. Um, she's doesn't, I mean, she's panicked looking. She doesn't look like she's doing anything on her own, but she is taking off her clothes and tying a, uh, noose around her neck. And yeah, she, she, does cl- all, she climbs, a, yeah, she climbs, she up climbs a ladder, ladder. and ultimately uh, kills herself. Yeah. Well, I mean, while this is happening in the other room, uh, a very sensitive kind of, I guess, senior doctor is, uh, is wondering where Sherry might be. <laughs> a senior doctor with no time to spare. We'll just That's right. That. I, I, I love this. this performance. God damn it, where's Sherry? She stepped out. She'll be right back. Find her. She stepped out. She'll be right Find her. One of the things you might have noticed in the background of that sound clip was uh, the sound of some heavy breathing, and that is the other distinctive quality. Yeah. Distinctive uh, quality of the killer in this movie is that they breathe very heavily, almost like the breather from student bodies. Yeah, Actually, the heavy right breathing is one of the biggest like red herrings in the in the entire yeah. film. Is that... no kidding. It doesn't really mean anything at all. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> because you're almost immediately introduced to characters who do the heavy breathing stuff, and then you're like, oh, that's the bad guy. And then next thing you know, you see another character who does the heavy breathing, and you're like, oh. They could also be the bad guy. <laughs> the red herrings in this movie are particularly ridiculous, yeah. as we will see. <laughs> so uh, this uh, ball doctor, who's the friend of Sherry, he discovers her body. Um, and the, the guy who discovers the body. So the big kind of, of power in this movie, the, 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 the thing the killer uses is telekinesis. So uh, they use that for any purpose that they want, whether it be moving things around the, the, the room or mind control. Right. And in this case, the guy comes in, uh, sees the leather-gloved killer, and then he claws at his own body until he pulls his own intestines out. Nice. Like you said, man, this, this really sets up a very different movie than we're about to get. It does, and it's also weird, too, because we're about... F- I don't know, 10 to 11 minutes into the film at this point, And 
they had pretty well established this Sherry and this other doctor as the main characters. <laughs> I know. With, with no background, we thought, okay, this is the Yeah, we're like, oh, okay, so this is, this, is, this is like the background of the main characters. Interesting, you know? And the next thing you know, she's dead. Next thing you know, he's killing himself. We're like, what? <laughs> We've only been introduced I, I to one other to... character. I would have loved to have seen the police report on this one, by the way. Right. Oh, yeah. No, one of our doctors killed himself by hanging herself, and then the person who found her was so distraught, he pulled his own intestines out. It makes total sense. <laughs> okay. So that's all the backstory, thankfully, yeah. out of the way, because things are about to get so douchey <laughs> really super quickly. So James, we've met him already. He looks like an asshole. But, <laughs> and then we soon but, realize how much of an asshole he is. Like immediately. In fact, let's let's play the sound clip. I got this it. is this is like a voiceover that we get this is the, when we first see him. This is the best. Finally they got the damn ad right. And I want you to share my ten bedroom house with me for approximately one hundred dollars a month. Call you Jim. That's the most lecherous it really voiceover. Is. Yeah, I mean, even now listening to it in retrospect, maybe it's part of kind of thinking that that he might be a bad guy at the beginning or something like that. But that's quickly sort of washed away in, in terms of plot. Mm. But okay, for those who don't know what's happening right now, and that would be James. Everyone. James has put an ad or had someone put an ad in the paper. Uh, Apparently, multiple his- times since they finally got it right. And what he really wanted it to say was that, girls, girls, girls. (laughs) He wants to share his ten bedrooms with girls. He wants them all to move in. Uh, they got to be beautiful and unattached because he's basically going to have a harem in his fucking house. Harem scarum. And women fall over themselves to take advantage of this. Right. Even though... It's the most reprehensible thing in the world. Yeah, the best part is is that like he while he's reading through the ad to himself, he's fantasizing about women around his pool. <laughs> and of course, the best part is that in in typical low budget fashion, it's footage that we see later on from an yeah. actual <laughs> pool party, you know. <laughs> yeah, and there's and there's some topless nudity. We see uh, women kind of playing around in the pool and one gets her top ripped off. Right. And which which is great because we do get to see that shot again later in the film. Yeah, because it, it actually happens. Uh, and now we get to we get to learn a little bit more about James's life. Well, the uh, best for part, some we, we, he, he, so we ca- we kind of catch him driving his Datsun around, looking awesome. <laughs> you know, wearing his dumb eighty sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, listening to some ridiculous music. Did you did you happen to catch some of the lyrics? I tried not to. Oh. I mean, it's it's it, it's <laughs> that that he's already 1982 in physical form, but it kind of it kind of leaked outwards in the. Scene. It totally did. So the song that's playing on the radio while he's driving goes like chain 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 reaction, love 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 reaction. <laughs> I wonder if that was sang by Colossus <laughs> before she destroyed the world. <laughs> So he drives and goes to I mean it's really confusing at first. He goes to an office. Apparently yeah. he works in an office. It's kind of confusing. We find out later what he actually does, but it's at this point it's very confusing. It's really confusing. Because he goes into his office and immediately undresses down to his underwear, which he loves to do. Which he loves to do and climbs up on a desk and uh basically <laughs> does telekinetic exercises yeah. while wearing a pendant. Yeah. 
And if anybody, and if, if anybody out there is friends with me on Facebook, my current profile picture is a shot of him, uh, a close-up of his face while he's doing the <laughs> telekinetic exercises. Yeah, he, like, knocks a plant over and, and shifts around a, a briefcase and uh, levitates a sock over to him. Yeah, so so we know at this point that he has some sort of uh, power. Yeah, and we and, and we hear and we hear him doing the breathing, so we immediately think this guy's the bad guy. Well, he is a bad guy. Well, he's not <laughs> the he's a bad, bad guy. person. Yeah. The bad guy. Thank you. But he gets introduced by Joel, uh, and this is a reoccurring comedic character in yeah. the film. Uh, I guess he's. I guess he works. Joel works for. James in this case. Sure. Uh, he's trying to work out a big deal with Goldfarb. <laughs> he's the worst. Goldfarb? He's kind of... No, no. <laughs> maybe. Uh. But uh, but Joel is just... He, his, this, this sort of like weird, broad comedy with like the funny voice and shit. It's just so weirdly right. out of place. Right, right. <laughs> so Joel uh, basically tells him that, that he's still talking to them and uh, brings out a bunch of printouts for uh, James to work on this big pile and James goes oh man what one I gotta work I mean it, it's so ridiculous I love I love I love how much of a close talker Joel is like he gets up like, right <laughs> into his face to talk to him and then like when he starts asking him about like his clothes and he, hey, Jim's Jim's explanation of why he's disheveled is, is because he describes his look as punk <laughs> well Enough backstory for Jim because the ladies are arriving. Woo-hoo. And as we've alluded to previously, they're all introduced at once and there's like seven of them. Yeah. So but it's they're, but they're really not, difficult. But they're really not introduced. They're all brought into the film at once, but you only actually find out like two of their names. You yes. Know, it's just it, I was I'm you know how I am. I get anal about like trying to f- make sure that I know who everyone is right. and it, it, that was a nightmare in this yeah, movie. Yeah, it really I, is. There's there's one named Sandy and Terry and Cindy and Gloria, but like right now I don't know who they are. Yeah, I mean I can tell you who I can tell you who Cindy is and who Sandy is, and I can tell you who Sandy. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, the one that I want. Um, and 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 who I don't know who Gloria is. <laughs> I still have no idea who that is. I don't know who uh, uh, Pamela is. I think that the, was one of them. We'll 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 introduce them as they're mentioned, uh, but none of these other women that are not Victoria are important. Victoria right. is the one that most of the action will happen to because she's played by Classic. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim does come out to help these women unpack and move into the house, and when he comes out, I notice that he's wearing a big ugly earring, and it makes me hate him even more. <laughs> he is a very very easy to hate character. I mean, it's just. J- He's so. I mean, I can't go, keep going back to the word lecherous, but it's very. It just seems really uncomfortable to this guy. Well, and then getting all these women to move into his place, right. specifically for the purpose of like watching them wrestle in the pool right. and tear their tops off. And then, and then to add weird onto the lecherous, we're introduced. We're not introduced, but we see this sort of like weird shambling guy walking around. We don't know who the hell he is. Yes, that's right. You know, I mean, he's not introduced. He's not introduced until like 20 minutes later, you know. Yeah. But, like, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, so this is going to be like a slasher type thing? And, like, this is the bad guy? Because, yet again, another thing where you think, oh, this is the bad guy. Nope. 
And in fact, this character is also played by John Wintergate, uh, wearing this ridiculous getup as like uh, looks like a. Uh, Tom Cruise and Born in the Fourth of July. He looks really ridiculous. <laughs> it's really super ridiculous, and the character serves no purpose. And he sort of talks movie. like this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I guess he just wanted to show off his acting skills. Well, he does. But he is impressive. So everyone moves into this place, and that night, I guess that night, it's really difficult to tell how much time is passing. That night, the women are sort of relaxing. One that night, the forty piano. days later, who knows? <laughs> right. They're, they're, one of the, the girls are playing uh, the piano. They're listening to a news report on TV. They're the best of friends. They're all the best of friends at this point, even though one of them is playing a piano, and that would be really irritating to me. There's a knock on the door, and my favorite character arrives into the film. Yeah. Yeah, it's Debbie. Debbie. Debbie De- Debbie was late. Debbie has she didn't realize. the stupidest accent I've ever okay. heard. Debbie's accent... And here's the thing. If you read anything about Boarding House, if you read a review or an article, almost every single one will mention Debbie's accent because it is the fucking worst. It's atrocious. She has this British accent. It's worse than me doing a British accent. It's worse if you've ever heard me a podcast with John Cross and tried to, hello, governor, hello. Oh, right right, now, right, yeah. Open apples and pears. Um, It's worse. And it's worse also because... There's no commitment to it, so right. every once in a while it'll just vanish entirely, yeah. and you'll forget which character is exactly Debbie. because Sandy, because Sandy, the other blonde, and Debbie all look the same. They look so much the same. So the only way to distinguish this one is her British accent, which sometimes goes away. Exist. Yeah. So so let's hear it. Let's hear her talking about. She's looking for a room. Yeah, and he's uh, all, all booked all up, so he's like you know they're concerned. So she, whatever. Here's what she says. Isn't there even a basement or an attic or something? Isn't there even a basement or a poor ickle buckle baby? If you don't get, if it doesn't come across at this point just how bad that accent is, just believe me, it is reprehensible. One more time. The fact that someone thought that she could do it. (laughs) Something. Hello. Hello. Uh, (laughs) I'm from Jolly Old England. But uh, so they they find her. Um, there's a child's room being used for storage, and she takes it. Right. And she's a very bizarre character as well because we get almost no development of her at all. Uh, and then, well, we'll we we do know that she likes to dig in the garden for some reason. <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking care of my fl- of my flowers. So now it's the next day, theoretically, because again, it's really hard to tell. It's six months One later. Of, uh, and this, and this, by the way, is like the first scene that I noticed that Debbie doesn't seem to have an accent at all. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's the first, right after she gets introduced, it seems like she's no longer there. Uh, one of the girls, I can't remember which one, it might actually be Victoria, has a cat. Victoria uh, has that, the cat. Even though it's her first, apparently first real day in this apartment, she's already broken the rules where they've told her not to have a cat. And I love, so I, she, and I love how he. Gets pissed like Jim gets pissed off for a second. He's like Victoria, no cats. Because I don't know, he has some weird <laughs> accent too. And he's like, it's not that kind of weird yeah, accent. I'm he's just saying, like German. you know, he sounds like Tommy Wiseau to me. You know, like it's just he sounds like that. You know, you're tearing me apart, Victoria. Um, is was that your Tommy Wiseau impression? No, yes, it was terrible. <laughs> I understand that. Let's go eat, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to hear plenty from him. I'm sure, but um, <laughs> but yeah, so he kind of like. You know, he kind of reprimands her for having the cat, but then, like, she doesn't get rid of it, and he doesn't mention it again. 
and the cat doesn't come up for like another hour. Right. <laughs> so uh, while they're having this discussion about the cat in kind of the dining room, um, Pam, who's one of the women apparently, uh, she's searching for booze even though it's supposed to be the morning. Before I realize what her name is, I describe her as the D. Snyder-looking one. Yeah, she looks. She got that fuzzy hair. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's up uh, on a counter trying to find booze up in the cupboard. It's a lovely woman. Yeah. Uh, and as she's doing that, an ice pick positions itself upright on the table, and it's it really does position itself well, because as she puts her hand down, it comes down right on the ice right, pick. Right. Right in the middle. Which is actually kind of a cool <laughs> effect. It, I mean, the effects in this movie are actually pretty good that's in the, general. That's really the best thing about it. The, the, yeah, not, the yeah. practical effects in this are really good. The, the, <laughs> opti- the, video the effects. optical effects, the video stuff is really stupid and bad. <laughs> so she, uh, she does pierce her hand, but apparently it's not that big of a deal. Everyone's horrified at the, at the time. Um, but later, Victoria buries the ice pick in the yard. Did you understand what was going on here? I really didn't. Now, James does come out to tell her to get rid of the cat in this part, but he also mentions that uh, Pam is all right. And, well, let's get a little bit more of, of how James sounds. What are you, what doing? Are you doing? Nothing. How's, How's Pam? Pam? Is your hand okay? I think she'll be all right. All her fingers work. I checked them. <laughs> all her fingers work. I checked them. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so he tells her to get rid of the cat. All her fingers work. I check them. What does that even mean? Like, shouldn't she go to a doctor if you get something through your hand? Right. I don't know. Well, one of the other girls brought her to the ER, so so we'll let, yeah. we'll let a real doctor check her out now. <laughs> but but I, you know she's fine because the next time you see her, she's got a giant X band aid on her hand, <laughs> so she must be fine. So so uh, now we get introduced to one of the more common locations for the rest of the movie, and that's the pool. Because this boarding house has a nice pool. Yes. And we also get a little bit more uh, insight into the filthy hobo that uh, you mentioned earlier, the major red herring, also played by John Wintergate, who's just going to be known as the gardener or gardener in this movie. Yeah. Uh, we also discover because some of the girls think he's kind of creepy because all he does is creepy things. Yeah, I mean, like he, you know, he he's got his arm up in like a Bob Dole sling, uh, where it's just like, but it's like, but it's from a chain. Like he's got his arm up in a chain sling. Yeah, you know, and he's wearing like camo, and uh, he's got, always has like this ridiculous like headband on, and he he just looks idiotic. I thought. I thought for sure that the big twist in this movie was going to be that him and James, or Jim, I guess, uh, are the same person. And right. that like he's like an alternate personality or something like that. But no, no. it's just a ridiculous-looking character yeah. who just grunts every fucking line. And some of the women uh, who are worried, uh, they, they voice their opinions to Jim. And he says that uh, the gardener, or gardener, saved his uncle's life in Vietnam and that he wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> okay. Victoria's response, she goes, here, here. a fly, no. What a scumbag. Yeah, what oh, a but you're right. Yeah, yeah, he's fucking he, bastard. He goes, yeah, he wouldn't hurt a fly. And Victoria's like, a fly? I'm worried about him hurting me. Yeah, so Victoria's irritating. Wah, wah, but, wah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Kalasu. Uh, but yes, so Kalasu she's not wearing pants. Mad. She's she's not wearing pants in that scene, as you can probably well guess. because uh, she had just gotten knocked into the pool wearing a yes. very sheer nighty, and uh, I think that was to sell tickets. 
Uh, we also learn at this point that Sandy, uh, that's one of the girls, of course, she thinks, she's like sympathetic to maybe Gardner. Maybe he just uh, needs a friend. Yeah, maybe he just needs a friend, yeah. so that won't bode well for her. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, after this kind of, of, of minor development of this filthy hobo-looking character, uh, and the fact that he's supposed to be somewhat sympathetic, Vietnam veteran. The next thing we see is him peeping through a window watching one of the women get undressed. Uh, on Sandy, the woman who was just saying yes. maybe he needs a friend. That's the best That's right. part. Is that she's yeah. like, maybe he just needs a friend. And he's like, well, maybe I just need to see your tits. You know, I mean, it's like, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's 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 not very pleasant. No. Uh, <laughs> so she gets undressed, gets into the shower scene, and within the shower itself, uh, she ends up uh, cutting herself, shaving her leg, and a whole bunch of blood comes out. Right. Uh, and this is great too because her response to it after seeing the blood is to try to escape the shower, <laughs> but she does that by pushing her breasts against the glass again it's, and again. It's very Ushi Digard in Kentucky Fried movie, you know. Uh, it's it's Catholic high school girls in trouble. It really is. Uh, and. It uh, it's ridiculous, of course. And then she gets out of the shower and looks in the mirror, and her face is a giant weird pig face. She got a pig face. Now, now answer me this: she pulls something out of her mouth. Yes. Are you uh, now? I, I couldn't. I, it went by so fast, and I wasn't paying enough of attention, and I, I was certainly not going to rewind. Uh, <laughs> was that a mouse or was that a I believe tampon? My, my my notes say it's, I don't think it was a tampon. Come on! I know, I'm asking. <laughs> My notes say that it was a mouse, oh, well, uh, and I, mean, I think it, it was like a rubber rat. Well, that's that's well, that's why that was my first response. <laughs> this fucking pig face pulls a tampon out of its that's mouth. That's why I thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't think that's what it was. I would have I would have been thoroughly disgusted if that was the case. Uh, there's nothing disgusting about. No, I'm not a saying that. Time. I'm just saying the fact disgusted at the fact that that's what he would decide to do. Well, maybe he would be making a statement in that oh. case. Oh. Uh, Be more of a father. statement than any of the rest of the movie makes. <laughs> so uh, Debbie runs in and she makes sure that uh, that uh, she's okay. That uh, what's her name? How are you doing, Sandy? <laughs> hello, are you okay? Hello, is you that a mouse off? you got there? <laughs> pip pip. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Sandy, we actually the very next thing we see, there's no, there's no. Like, she never discusses the fact that she saw her face as a pig face or all that blood or anything. She just lets it go, I guess. So the next thing we see is her talking to the gardener. So I guess it's the next day. Yeah. uh, And he's ridiculous. He's so crazy. And uh, she, we find out, I guess, that she's sympathetic because her brother was in the uh, war. Right. I guess Vietnam. (laughs) Maybe the Falkland Islands. (laughs) (laughs) There's a part where she tries, like, to wipe something off his face and he just pushes her. Uh, <laughs> so now we get introduced because there's not enough plot at this point. We get introduced to a new character, Richard. Richard, Dick. He is a dick, <laughs> and he's on a boat and he's like drinking wine. Are there any non-repugnant male characters in this film? Oh man, we got uh, maybe one of the. No, I was gonna say one of the police officers, but those guys are kind of scummy. They too. are. They're scummy. They're all scummy. So this guy, Richard, uh, we, we, we get an indication. In fact, let's play this, the audio clip because uh, there's sort of a voiceover. He's on a boat drinking wine. Yeah. I didn't want to hurt you, baby. I love you. Oh, Cindy. Why'd you have to run away? Call to take your Harris again. 
did a good job for me last time. <laughs> double double indemnity. Uh, what you'll discover as you go through the movie is that there's a lot of voiceovers like that which are meant to bridge scenes because they don't make any sense outside of that. Right. Uh, because like suddenly you'll see characters say like walking on uh, train tracks and you're wondering what they're supposed to be doing and so there's a voiceover which will then explain what they're doing <laughs> even though it's it's incredibly idiotic. So just uh, for those who didn't pick up on this, this is apparently a husband or I guess it's the husband of Cindy, one of the women in the I just, uh, I don't think it's supposed to be his husband. I think she's just he's just her boyfriend. Boyfriend or ex-boyfriend. Cuz they describe him as the boyfriend as his, as her boyfriend later. Right. And he's looking for Cindy who's run off and moved into this yeah. <laughs> brothel, I guess. But uh but I mean so we're already sort of given the impression that he's an abusive prick. Yes, and, I mean, And, of course, it's almost immediately uh, clarified that he is. Uh, but I love when they cut back to... Uh, when they cut back to, to, to the boarding house, like, all the ladies are just, like, rubbing down Jim. Yeah, because at this point, you could, you could be excused for thinking that even though he wanted a bunch of attractive women around and he made that comment about uh, the woman wearing no pants, right. that he isn't necessarily a total scumbag, right. but you're right. As soon as they go back, all the women are like, they're falling over themselves yeah. to massage Jim. And what's great is like in the middle of this kind of rubdown, he stops them all and he's like, hey girls, how about having a party Saturday night? <laughs> yeah, and one of the girls describes it as a warm house party. <laughs> Classic warm house party <laughs> with kid and with play. kid and play. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hope immature shows up. And of course, they ask Victoria. I wonder if it's going to be a pajama jammy jam. <laughs> They're going to. They ask Victoria to, to call her agent to see if they can have her band play. Yeah, because why even do you need to call an agent to have your band play? Because they're so big. They got. They can't just take. I mean, obviously, she's been established as, a, as such a talented musician up to this point. Even though this is the first mention <laughs> that she's even in a fucking. Yeah, band. she wasn't even the one playing the piano before. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is a really important moment for the movie because we because know Jim's going in underpants a, again. Because Jim's in his underpants <laughs> again. But we know that they're going to have a party on Saturday. So at this point. It must be within the week before Saturday, right? right. Maybe it's Monday. Right. Maybe, maybe it's even Sunday. So all of the action that's going to take place after this takes place in a single week, which is fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because really the time starts to move, and like you'll swear that a month has passed by, and you're still waiting for this party. There's Even the band shows up. I mean, we'll talk about this. The band shows up, and you're like, okay, the party. And then you find out, from a voiceover that they were just fucking rehearsing. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't need to come to the place to fucking rehearse. And the best, no, no, she she said they they said have them come a day early and rehearse, and then yes, just of leave course. their stuff there. Leave their stuff there. <sighs> yeah, so uh, so they're gonna have a big party. That's important, uh, and this will continue this string of of Jim wearing these tiger print bikini underwear. Uh, my note says that he is the grossest person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really is. I mean, like he's sort of like the embodiment of like those seventies porn stars, but not like the classy ones that you'd see in theaters. Like, he's Chuck Trainer. Yeah, in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, the, he he exudes oil. <laughs> yeah, it's just constantly oily. Uh, so he goes into his own room, and while he's uh, standing in there, the blankets behind him lift up creepily. 
and he discovers it's not a ghost, it's a woman. It's Debbie. Oh, is that, what, I was say, is that Debbie? I, I, I don't know. I wrote it's Debbie, so it has to be oh, Debbie. Good. And she's like, hello. Oh, she's like, I'm in hello, UK. governor. <laughs> let's, uh, let's have a little nip and we'll uh, get down. Anyway, Are so you into start a good kiss. Johnny Good Rogering? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and uh, uh, they, she starts kissing him, so they totally bang. And uh, we, we get to hear a, a song. Let's hear the song. Love making music right here. <laughs> what are the lyrics to this song? <laughs> this uh, this song actually bridges the two scenes because this uh, shows uh, this plays in the background while Victoria she drives to the airport. Why does she do this? <laughs> she she pulls up in her car by an airport. Oh, because she and, needs to go talk to, I believe, the drummer for the band. Yeah, the drummer for her band, right? Yeah. But this whole sequence is just for her to say, will you come and play? And he agrees. Right. And he goes, like, are there going to be any girls there? And uh, and then she makes fun of the of plane girls. that apparently he's put together. Cause he, so almost certainly what happened is that they <clears> knew someone who – Flew like these like mini planes, right? And, one of those and they're like, "Well, let's get some production value." But this scene is totally useless. It's completely right? superfluous. Yeah, and and uh, it's also the scene that I most noticed that the that the audio was all weirdly balanced. It, so it's like I was listening on headphones, and there, there was only sound coming out of one side for like the entire scene. Yeah, it's pretty pretty, pretty you, freaking. You awful. fucking yawning during the podcast. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. now uh i think of this being kind of uh i think of this as being sort of like the midway point of the movie because everything's about to get crazy now and also the part that happens right now makes so little sense so we see this guy outside of the boarding house and he's talking to two women and he's making some sort of deal right right and at the same time jim comes home and he's wearing a cowboy hat of course he is just to add an extra level of fuckheadedness yeah. uh, to to him, and this guy who's outside the the boarding house, he climbs into like a van and then immediately gets pushed out. <laughs> and uh, in fact, he he had he has some choice words to say to the women. Oh wait, we didn't have that as a sound. No, clip, we didn't we? take that as a sound clip. So <laughs> well, anyway, I'll I'll re- I'll create it. He goes, Jesus Christ, goddamn bitches. Yeah. Which, of course, immediately endears him to Jim. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, come, have, have, use my house. Sit by my have pool. Have my women. <laughs> Bang my chicks. So the guy comes up to Jim and he's like, he's, uh, we learned that this dude is trying to get to Malibu and he asked Jim if he can use his phone. But instead of like showing him then going to use the phone, it shows him laying by the pool and all the women are like, who are you? And then they push him into the pool because he's, <laughs> it's wacky and yes. fun, I guess. Uh, and his oh, name oh. is Harris. Hey, Harris. That sounds familiar. Oh, I think I'm ahead of myself. Whoops. I'm ahead of myself. Yes. Are you ahead of yes. yourself? Yes. They, they, the, they drop him in the pool. His name's Harris, uh, which should sound familiar since yes. we, we heard from a previous clip. Of course, I have to tell you that for me, because it took me so damn long to get through this movie, that by the time I got to this point, I forgot that the guy's name was Harris. So I was trying to remember who the hell this guy was. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know at all until he started using the phone <clears throat> and he calls Richard yeah. on it. 
We see him call Richard. So obviously, he's a detective. He's there looking for Cindy. But while he's on the phone, uh, we get introduced to a woman who we had I think never seen before. We'd never seen up to this point. She's Asian. Yeah. Uh, and she is quite forward. I'm going to play this again. <laughs> so she wants to bang him for some reason because he got pushed into the pool. I because guess. he's there. That house just turns all women into like sexual dynamos. It turns them into. Uh, hold on. <laughs> sexual Sasquatches? Oh, I mean, you know, Sasquatch was a sexual. That's the sound that plays while the Asian woman is having sex. It's with true. Uh, this uh, this is very bizarre for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, because we have never seen this character before. Either, and this them. is not the last time that this happens. Right. Uh, we also learn, and this will come up in in some of the following scenes, that there's a rule in this house that men are not allowed to come upstairs. Right. That's the rule. So they're not allowed to take men upstairs and have sex with them, even though this woman who just got introduced is going to do exactly that. You know, it's in my it's in my notes at this point that I basically said this film so far has the plot of a really bad porno without yeah, without I mean, the good sex scenes. Yeah, right. And and that rule, by the way, seems exactly like the kind of rule that a dude who who wants to just have sex with the women in his house <laughs> and doesn't want them having sex with other people right. might might have. Uh, even though. This woman now has sex with Harris, and while that happens, Jim just walks in next to them and doesn't seem to give a shit. Yeah, he kind of like looks over at them and like shrugs. He's like, "Boys will be boys," and then walks. Yeah, off. I guess Harris is having a good time. Enjoy Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Asian girl's name. So they have sex, and while that's happening, Victoria arrives home. I guess from the airport. Right. Uh, and as she's come, as she's going in, Pam, who's another girl, another blonde girl who's not British, she's the she one who asks, got the ice pick through her hand before. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. And she asked to borrow the car that Victoria just arrived in, and that's fine. Uh, and man, this whole sequence is so fucked. Uh, so while that's my happening, brain hurts just thinking about this. Yeah, while that's happening, we then see the Asian woman. Uh, and I'm sorry to keep referring to her as Asian woman, but she's not actually given a name in the movie at all. Look, it could be uh, worse. You could be calling her the Oriental. So, I mean... Yeah, just... well, that's that would be horrifically right. offensive. exactly. <laughs> so, she's in the bath now, and Harris is nowhere to be found. She's just in the bath. Right. Uh, and then she leaves, and then we see Harris in the bath. So I but guess I lo- they took I turns. love that in between, there's like a shot of the outside of the house, and Victoria is screaming, There's not supposed to be a bed upstairs! Also, there's a woman who doesn't live here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also, why are you in my room? Uh, and so Harris is taking a bath, and the other woman is nowhere to be found, and he drops his watch in the tub, <laughs> and as he goes in to reach it, someone knocks a hair dryer in, and uh, he gets... that's goodbye moon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we also see a gloved hand grab Harris's body and the hair dryer, and then it cuts to someone burying something. So... I think maybe the killer is someone around this house that's boarding. All right, so it's somebody who does the breathing heavy exercises, somebody who likes to bury things. Right. Somebody who wears black gloves. Fun is trying to guess when you play Guess Who. Right. Does... Game cards do not actually talk. <laughs> do you remember do you remember in the original game of that there was only one black person? So if you yeah, I know. if you got the black person, you're like, Are you black? And you're like, Yes, and you got him in one. It was always the best. That was always the best. Anyway, we were saying. So 
Victoria has not been established as just being uh, a person who falls into the pool and also is a musician. She's also, I guess, some sort of like actress or something. Of course, because She's a triple uh, <laughs> she discovers like from J-Lo. a phone call. Uh, well, it is that while she was gone, I guess, to the airport, that she was offered a commercial, but uh, she was not given the message. Pam went and did the commercial instead or, or went to audition or something, right. and Victoria's super pissed of the fact that she didn't give her that message. In fact, she took the car that she that Victoria arrived in to go to this place, yeah. so she was really kind of rubbing it in her face. This will become both important and entirely unimportant. <laughs> I kind of love the fact that, uh, that when she gets... When she gets the message a little bit later on about Pam not arriving at the job she was supposed to arrive at and that she had gone to the other thing instead, like, Victoria makes the promise that Pam will never do that again. Right. Like, how? Yeah, it's like, how are you promising? (laughs) Unless things go well for her. (laughs) Cut suddenly to a golf course. And uh, we've returned to Joel. Let it be Dorf. Let it be Dorf. Yeah, let it be dwarf. Joel, who is that guy who uh, Jim works with, is golfing with Jim. Hmm. Uh, and he's not very good at it because he's a uh, lovable goofball. Drunk. Yeah. So, yeah, so he goes to take a swing uh, of the golf uh, club? club. Thank is you. Is that what it's called? Jesus. Golf club? Yeah, my brain. Um, <laughs> it's and, all right. It's uh, almost the end of the year. And as he does the back swing, he falls basically flat on his face and gets up and says oh I have I have the fall here too <laughs> my goodness <laughs> that's a terrible this, thing to happen All of a sudden, you know I didn't Charles notice Barkley. it when I when I watched it, but is the suggestion there that Jim used his psychic power to make him miss? Because uh, that sound effects certainly yeah, suggest Yeah, you know that. what? I wasn't paying that much of attention to it. So I'll be honest, I, I didn't get that when I was watching yeah, the thing. But the but sound effects certainly makes ca- it sound like that. If that is the case, Jim is more of a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible thing to have to happen. Uh, so back at the boarding house because time is just flying all over the place like you see like the the women in which is certainly the evening right and they were definitely on the golf course during the day and that commercial thing you think would have happened the day before uh, and right I mean so the time seems to be moving but like this is all supposed to be taking place in a very compressed amount of time this conversation is making is reminding me of of small details that happened in in the movie, and they're kind of getting stuck in my head, and I need to I I need to let it out. Um, let so, it out, man. So when they come back from the golf course, all of the women are like sitting around and like toasting. Yes, you know. So it's like they're toasting men, they're toasting Jim, they're toasting pools, you know, everything like that. But did, but one of the women, and I and I can only assume that it was Sandy, toasts warthogs. <laughs> I don't recall this, but that sounds exactly like the sort of thing that would be in this movie. <laughs> you know, and it didn't make sense to me before because I'm like, that seems like a really random thing. But then I realized one of them turns into a warthog, you know, like their face, you know, that face thing when the shower scene. Before. Oh, that's a warthog. I was assuming it's a warthog. It's a pig. I, okay. 
Let's go with it. You know, I, I like the idea that par- par- her brain has now been partially so warped that now she's obsessed with warthogs. Right. So she just keeps bringing them up in conversation. Right. Let's toast warthogs, and everyone's just looking at her. Yeah, that's like, exactly what happens. Everybody looks at her like she's nuts. That's th- if that is supposed to be the connection. That is some fucked up weak connection. Oh, it's, you it's it out? pure shit. But so. Now, by the way, remember how Victoria was was pissed right. earlier? Well, she's not pissed anymore. Right. Now she's going to work with these women because the women, uh, they've heard Jim listening to his mind control cassette tapes. Yeah, and they want to know what's on them. They want to know what's on them. So they want Victoria to go into Jim's room. I love how they like sexier up, you know? Yeah, while he's taking a bath and to get the tape. And they suggest that if she gets caught, she should just pretend that she has an audition and needs advice. I don't know why Jim would be able to give advice about an audition right, because right. who the fuck is he? Exactly. Right? Yeah, they, they dress her up in lingerie. And one of them even says, casting couch, which is not funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny at all. <laughs> Especially, it, it, it seems like a sly reference to how all of them got the jobs in this movie. <laughs> which is great because the guy who they would have had to have done that for is the one who wrote it in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> just like just just like that massage scene earlier, right? Right. How can you be the guy who's like, "Well, I'm going to start on this." So in this scene, all the women are giving me a rub down and talking about how awesome. Well, it reminds it reminds me how like in every Vincent Gallo film, he has a line where somebody describes his penis as huge. <laughs> I just like the idea that you got to write in a scene where someone is sucking your dick. Right. And it's, it's like, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you just, oh, there's some uh, new pages in the script today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to ruin the surprise. I hope your jaw. I hope your talk. jaw feels okay. What? That dude must talk a good game. <laughs> oh, I bet he does. <laughs> so uh, she goes in. Victoria goes into James's room, and he's taking a bath, of course. Uh, and <laughs> he hears her because she's not really making any attempt to be really quiet. Right. And she goes into the room with him. While he's bathing. So I guess we don't really get how much of an indi- a real strong indication of just how sexual his relationship is with everyone. But they certainly seem to be very comfortable. Yeah, together. not to mention the fact that she is in there wearing a freaking lace negligee. Yes. You know, she, she's not she's, exactly she's, she's not exactly uh, being modest. Uh James's room is filled with all sorts of uh, random spiritual horseshit, and she says uh, she says that she couldn't sleep, so she came in to watch him bathe. <laughs> <laughs> and he, she asks about the thing that she saw in his bed. It's got like this weird, and he goes, "It's a pyramid grid." Yeah, which of course, of course. sounds scientific, makes total sense. <laughs> so we get a lot more background now, just in terms of how powerful or how kind of uh, spiritual Jim is. <laughs> how batshit uh, crazy. <laughs> What's great is that what he's about to say here is pretty much exactly what it says on a Lightstorm's website. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so she, let's, she, let's... yeah, she asks him what he's into, and he says yes. this. Actually, I'm trying to say that it has What do you want to know that for? <laughs> and then he impresses her by using his psychic power to move soap around. To levitate a bar of soap. <laughs> and um, I love her. I love her response. And she goes, "Oh, I heard that only gurus up on high mountains can do that. Mountains, mountains." <laughs> All of a sudden, I uh, well, turn into a Bowery boy. She, uh, she's very interested and very curious about uh, his power. Uh, and he responds to her interest by pulling her into the bathtub right. 
and ba- playfully. And basically shaking his dick in her face because... Yeah. He, I mean, he gets up and has to put a towel on, but she's, like, yeah. right there in front of her. Yeah, he totally he wangs her in the face. He really does. <laughs> but uh, but he doesn't follow up on this. Uh, instead, Victoria does does return. She uh, she like kind of tells she she gets the tape right, but I don't think anything ever comes of it. Right. Uh, but uh, he, she kind of explains to the other women that he you know he didn't get physical at all. He's just, he just he's different than any guy I ever met. <laughs> yeah, except that he's not. Can you believe? Uh, can you believe writing that into the script about yourself? That's He's balls, so different. man. That is balls. Yeah. That's right. The balls that were just hanging in her face. Yeah, the balls that we're about to see in those freaking tidy fucking underwear again, hanging upside yeah. down from that freaking machine. So, remember I said earlier about how they transition between scenes using a voiceover? Yes. This one that's about to happen is the is the really the strangest. You hear Victoria say, you know, they say, you know, show, don't don't tell. Well, in this case, she says uh, that are, I hope those painters don't take much time with my room, which I guess suggests that she's not in her regular room. Right. Uh, I this this plot point is weirdly forgettable. <laughs> uh, that and and I mean it'll play into what's about to happen in a minute, but it's so strange. It really is. Um, I'm trying. Yes. To think, I'm trying to think. Did we skip something yet? Because I think the next thing we have is a, is one of the weird songs. Yeah, the song happens right now, oh, right okay. after she says that line. Oh. Well, then here we go. <laughs> I took it right from the beginning. It's been a few days since I've seen this movie. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. That's classic Kalasu. <laughs> classic Kalasu. That's fine. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> if I didn't fade it out. That's an automatic. That's actually the fade out from the uh, from the film. Yeah. One, one of the great and, things about uh, about this movie being all left channel or right channel is that I was able to just grab the channel that the that the song was on, and I was able to skip <laughs> over all the sound effects and stuff that was happening in the other. <laughs> so we can create our own custom boarding house soundtrack. Right. <laughs> well, we then get a very quick shot, a very quick sequence of uh, a topless woman getting into the pool. Right. Uh, the gardener comes at her or close to her with a chainsaw. It was Sandy again. She, yeah, it's Sandy. Uh, she <laughs> stares at him Whoa. with the chainsaw, and then he just walks away. <laughs> yeah, she. Yeah, she like stares hard at him. Yeah, you know, like this is the point where she's even like baring teeth, I believe. Where she's yeah, yeah, and he's got the chainsaw, yeah. and he, then he just walks away. <laughs> what a bizarre thing to include in your movie. I bet it wasn't to him at the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, he, oh, he, by the way, he certainly wasn't. He wasn't looking for any kind of padding because he already had an hour extra footage, you know. So, <laughs> so now we another piece of the plot comes into play. Yeah. We're introduced. <laughs> we're, to, two, we're introduced to yet more characters. Two police officers come to the oh, door of the police. boarding house, and they're looking for Jim. Uh, it's it. We learned that one of the cops. It seems at first that they're going to be there for like an investigation. It seems at first actually, that they're not actually cops. Yeah, that's true. Too. The first, thing, the, the first like thing the uh, the Freddie Boom Boom Washington looking one guy sa- says to the other one is uh, is put that toy away. And I'm like, what do you what? <laughs> yeah, right. 
Now, uh, yes, the, the, the black cop in this case, who, by the way, if you look at some of the videos of a Lightstorm uh, from the uh, 1970s uh, or maybe early 80s that I posted on our Facebook group, uh, you'll see that he's actually the drummer for the band. <laughs> that makes sense. So he's there. He's apparently an old college buddy with um, with with Jim, and uh, they kind of complement each other's uh, bodies. <laughs> yeah, it's a little disturbing. Like they're a little like, <laughs> yeah, you're looking good, man. Yeah, you're looking good too. This scene, this scene only exists because the cop is gonna is, is suggesting to Jim that some bad stuff has happened in the house. Right. You think he would have already known that? But I guess yeah, it's not like, that big of a deal. Yeah, because all that shit doesn't need to be disclosed when you get a house. I mean, thinking about now, this is daytime, right? That part earlier where she, uh, where Victoria talks about moving to a new room, that theoretically would be nighttime. Right. And now we go back to nighttime again. Right. And this time now, Victoria is in this room, uh, and she 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 s- seems to be nervous about something. Like she has like a bad feeling, uh, and she's trying like to go to sleep, and someone is in her room. Well, that's the the best part is is that like. Is that is that at first you're like oh, okay who's in your room and then they start banging these two pots together and you're like oh two pots it's some it's some asshole just playing pranks on them and you're like and, I, huh I like the idea by the way that 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 we might think for a second oh it's the killer banging two pots together right. <laughs> you know but no it's just what it's one of the other girls she's wearing a mask and yeah. she's banging a pot. and that character walks walks out of the room almost immediately she, and then um, uh, Victoria goes to get into her bed and a hand comes up. Yeah, just like in the uh, poster for the movie, right. except not nearly as vagina-esque. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the hand comes up and grabs her and pulls at her, and then it just cuts to her running outside. Mm. And this sequence, I don't know about your copy, Mo, but she runs in the dark for like a few minutes, I, and I couldn't tell, I couldn't see a fucking thing. I couldn't thing. see a goddamn thing. Yeah, and in fact, it seems like the movie knows that we couldn't see anything either because it suddenly goes blue. Yeah. <laughs> like, the movie turns into this sort of, like, blue vision, which is slightly easier to see what's going on. But I still uh, had no idea what was actually happening. Yeah, or where she was. Yeah. Like, where are these woods that she's run right, to, right? Right, um, Because it looks like they lived in, like, a neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and suddenly, she stops for a second, and then she gets grabbed by, again, another pig-headed creature. See, I... Still wouldn't have even known that. I would. I, I couldn't see. You know. I'm pretty sure it's like a pig. It might have been the same pig head as earlier. It, it might have been. I don't know. All I know is that is that basically, f- at this point, she just starts screaming, and she screams. Well, well, before she screams, she runs off again from this creature right. and finds a bed like in the middle of the woods, and she climbs in, and there's like a corpse next to her, right. and then she wakes up. Right. And she this scream is well. She something starts screaming else. in the dream. Yes. So I have some of the and, dream scream. And then, and then you'll see where it transitions to the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the you'll, away, the away you'll hear it. Yeah. Oh no, you'll hear it. Not overkill at all. I mean, Jesus Christ! And now she's there. Away. We go. Holy. <laughs> Good God, lady. Oh. <laughs> 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 that ex- where now? She's literally 
screaming bloody murder, and the bitch is like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> we get uh, we get uh this immediately I'd like cuts to apologize to... to my neighbors for that clip. Yeah, no kidding, man. That screen went on forever. Oh, Jesus. So that cuts now to what must be the next day, which is just <laughs> Jim and Victoria walking down the rails. I guess she's not again, she's not doesn't have any negative effect from that horrific dream. Yeah. Uh and there's a voiceover where she's asking him to tell her about his powers. I should also and... I should also mention just for the record that the audio of her waking up screaming does not do the visuals justice at all. <laughs> the faces that she is making while she is screaming are fantastic. <laughs> but you're, yeah, you're right. She, she, she starts asking Jim about his powers and he basically blows her off. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah he's like, okay. So, <laughs> and they also, in the same sequence, they reiterate that she's still sleeping in the den yeah. since the painters are not finished. Like, who cares? None of this makes, like, who needs this? There we is, understand that she's There curious. is so much inane, useless chatter in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, now, uh, I guess, <laughs> Richard shows up at the boarding house. A- I guess he doesn't wonder where Harris has disappeared to. <laughs> <laughs> He's and like, checking even though, mail, whatever. Even though we know he's abusive, uh, we also get a quick flashback to show that he's also a rapist. Right. Yeah, so he's a abusive rapist who in this movie, that is really, that's like the worst thing you can be. Right. It's, it's, it's as bad, not quite as bad as being a guy who runs a harem <laughs> of women who serve his every sexual need. <laughs> in fact, Richard yeah, says that exact same thing. Rich, Richard's such a scumbag, he could almost be the male lead in this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so like Jim is totally nonplussed about the fact that Richard has showed up, right. and, uh, and and he looks he's kind of p- p- pissed off. So he wants to he wants Cindy and him uh, he wants Cindy to leave really, but Cindy says that they should go upstairs and talk. Right. And well, instead of like being curious about this or or asking any questions, Jim just wonders what they should have for dinner. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> Chicken chow mein. <laughs> and they go on with about that for like another like minute. You know, they're like, yeah, it's they're so those, excited. It's one of those secret foods from China. <laughs> so Cindy and Richard go upstairs and they go into this room, which has a gun sitting on the table. Remember that this man is an abusive rapist. Right. She just has it sitting on the table. Even he seems concerned about it. Yeah. I'm going to play that again. (laughs) Hey, what is this gun? Hey, what is this gun? I think I'm going to trim that one down and stick that into the callback folder. Because, yeah, there's there's so many movies where 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 we're talking about guns. It's like every single time. Hey, what is this gun? <laughs> so, Cindy and Richard, they have a little talk. Uh, she explains that it's like a sorority house and that boys aren't allowed above the first floor, right. even though a boy is up on the f- <laughs> above the first floor at this very moment. Right. It's Richard. <laughs> and they're completely alone, so they could do whatever they wanted. Uh, and Richard, he's like, he seems skeptical, especially because he looks out the window and sees that scene from earlier of the women pulling their clothes right, off in the right. pool. <laughs> 
Uh, Richard does what any man would do in this circumstance. He asks her to marry him. Makes sense. And he says he wants her answer, but she just starts crying because she needs a little more time. Well, it's a, it's a tough decision. I mean, I know personally the last time I was asked to, uh, by somebody to marry me uh, by a, uh, a abusive rapist, I, I, I had to think about it for a couple of days. I had to run off to to live in a boarding house right. <laughs> to, to massage some oily douchebag all day, every day. Um, I loved it. Now, now, again, the days, how much time has passed? Who knows, right? It feels like weeks. Right. So, so now we see Victoria. She's practicing. She's trying to meditate. Uh, and she's while doing this the is breathing happening, thing. And... We see that, that at this exact moment, Jim is having like a, a date, like a dinner date with Debbie. No. Uh, with Cindy. With Oh no no, this is be. no no, I'm sorry, this is the Debbie one. You're right. Yeah, this is Debbie yeah. because but I but it's easy to get confused because her accent barely exists in right. the scene. <laughs> so they have a little bit of small talk and Victoria uses her psychic powers to basically make uh Debbie continually spill things <laughs> on Jim. But the best but the best part about it is that is that Jim takes the opportunity to basically feel her up. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because he is who he is, and and he can't even flirt right. Let's hear his. Let's hear their small talk. I don't know. If, I, I I don't know if you people heard that or not. But basically, she she says to him, "You have a really here, Doug. We'll act it out. I'll play the woman. You have a really sexy body. Did you know that?" Uh huh. <laughs> 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 so this is the best this is dinner ever. time. This is dinner time. So theoretically, is it's the evening. Mm-hmm. So now we go back to daytime again, and this time Cindy is sleeping in that room that we just saw. The gun on her table, which actually looks like a different gun now for some reason, <laughs> it turns. We should also clarify that by this point, Victoria has established that you know I, I, it's officially established that Victoria can move stuff. Obviously, we had right. a dinner scene, blah blah blah, but. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so she's getting better at that. Yeah. Does that play into what's happening now, where the gun starts to move <laughs> on its own? Uh, no. <laughs> so the gun points at Sydney's head, right? Yeah. And it, then it goes off, but it misses her. Thank goodness. Yeah. It just sort of, I guess it like grazes her or something like that. And of course, Jim, action Jim, runs into the He's room. He's there within a second of the, with, of the bullet going off, which means he's exactly. probably watching her sleep. All right. And he, he he's very sensitive. Here, I have the whole... Uh, I, yes, but that has nothing to do with his hearing. All right. Um, <laughs> I have the whole scene, so here we go. <laughs> what do you mean you weren't playing with your gun? I got it for you so you could play with it. It was three seconds, by the way. I mean, he's right there. Yeah. <laughs> Are you playing with your gun? <laughs> and of course, she was asleep at the time. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, the, the follow up to this is so strange because Jim. I mean, she's freaked out obviously because a gun just almost blew her head off. Yeah. Uh, and he he says that she needs to relax. So we need to get out of here. So he takes her outside, and they get into a car, and they go to the beach together. <laughs> She doesn't seem to have like any ill effects over the fact that she almost got her head blown off yeah. just a little bit before. I love, I love the, uh, I, I love the this ridiculous beach scene 
Because he's like showing her crystals, and he's like, "Look at the beautiful crystals." Well, he basically is using his crystals to hypnotize her, right, right? Right. I mean, he's he's trying to hypnotize her to be calm. Once she's calm, he has sex with her, right? So he totally. I mean, that's immoral, yeah, right? That's awful. It's morally reprehensible at the very least. Yeah. I mean, there's lots to dislike about this guy, but hypnotizing someone and then having sex with them—that I mean, that's rape. That's terrible. It's, that's like yeah, definitely. Uh, and, uh, while this is happening, this horrific thing, I don't know which one is worse, um, someone comes up with a rock wearing black gloves and hits Jim in the head with it, knocks him unconscious, and then he uses a psychic power, telekinesis. We get the hand symbol there. Yeah, to make Cindy start to bleed from, like, everywhere. Right. She just starts to be, blood starts coming out of every part of her body. But I love that her Uh, first reaction is to run to the water. She w- runs right into the water, yeah, basically just falls and in. and drowns. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Jim wakes up confused, uh, and he finds a note that's been left, and uh, <laughs> then he just goes home. I guess that's the best part is that he 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 gets this note and he reads it, and he believes it because it's like what the fuck, you know? You just I mean like there's nothing suspicious at all, but you were just knocked out by by a rock. And, and, <laughs> that happens all the yeah, time. I mean, I, look at him. You, well, you yeah. think he hasn't been knocked out while having sex before? <laughs> that's a fair. That's a fair point. That is a fair point. <laughs> oh my gosh! So then, okay, so that's daytime. We go to nighttime once again, and Victoria wakes up. She's like in her bed, and she. This is very strange. She's just like she's pissed, like super pissed. She goes, "Bitch." So even though what, what all the shit that's happened up to this point, like over the past 40 minutes of the movie, she's still pissed at, what's her name? The one who uh, took her uh, audition? Oh, Pam. Pam. So she's pissed at Pam again. Right. Even though there's been no follow-up to that at all. Because now, so takes... now we have what is the most ridiculous and weirdest and oddly sexual scene in the film. Well, the thing is, this obviously was supposed to happen. Like This scene is supposed to happen right after that audition shit It certainly seemed like it. But, of course, up to that point, Victoria ha- didn't have any uh, psychic power. Right. So they had to establish that between those two bits. <laughs> so it got so fucked up. So now er- anyone who's not us taking notes on every scene must be wondering why she's so pissed. She's been sleeping in the den for days. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so <laughs> it's she seven months out- later. <laughs> <laughs> she takes out a very phallic stuffed toy. And uh, she uses it like a voodoo doll to get revenge on. Pam. I lo- I love how it's like. I mean, she takes the arm and like twists the arm, and then and then like she. I don't know if it's if it's like the tail or whatever, but she grabs a part of it, and it looks <laughs> so much like a penis. It's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. No pun intended. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so she makes her slap herself around, and I mean, she basically beats the shit out of her. Which, by the way, is a really strong reaction. Uh, considering that there's been like a week since all this shit went down. Right. And there's no follow-up to this. It's not like the next day uh, Pam moves out or Pam uh, is like all bruised up. We just never hear about it again. In fact, the next morning, which is what happens immediately after this, everyone's fine. Like everyone is perfectly happy. Right. Yeah, Jim's just sitting there levitating an egg. He's levitating an egg. uh, And, oh, there is one thing odd. That he's (laughs) levitating an egg? Well, that is odd, but no, this is like Lost Highway now, because now that there's another girl who lives in the boarding house, she's black. Right. The black uh, teacher and this, woman. Yes. She's a teacher. They keep mentioning it, right? That she has to go go off to like a job interview, right. and she's a teacher. Why? 
because we never see her do anything. She we've never seen her before. The most Uh, memorable scene she's in is the scene where she's talking about how she can never remember that Cindy, that Sandy's name wasn't Cindy. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Uh, so we do see Jim show the rest of the girls the note that he found on the beach, uh, which, you know, I guess it's important that they know. The note says that uh, Richard, it's basically from Richard saying that he's taking Cindy home with him and he'll be back later to pick up her clothes. Right. Right. And then the, the black woman goes out to a job interview for some reason. I don't know why. No, she's not going to a job <laughs> interview. She's going to her teaching job. Oh, right, but, that's right. But, She's going to a team. But regardless, position. it's still ridiculous. And then, like, a second later, the band shows up. Band shows up in a big van, right? The band, remember so the band? So we're at this point, yeah, at this point, we're thinking to ourselves, oh, great, the band's here. I mean, the big party's going to be tonight. This movie's almost over. No. <laughs> this is edited so fucking weirdly, too, because they arrive. They show, like, the girls go out and meet them as they arrive at the, uh, at the boarding house. Right. And then it immediately shows them walking over and taking their shirts off. Right. <laughs> And there's a voiceover at that point that says that they just rehearsed. But if that voiceover didn't exist, it would look like they showed up just to go in the pool. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's like immediately one of them is stripped down to nothing. Yeah. I mean, the women are like super horny yeah. because like they're like starting like biting them and stuff. It's uh, it's it's the kind of thing that if you were a dude, you would write. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, they pull off one of the guy's shorts and they just push him into. Yeah, the basically pool. an orgy breaks out. It's really insane. Stuff happens. When you party naked. Yeah. (laughs) And then it shows... I don't know if you have this in your notes, Mo, but they quickly show the inside of the kitchen and a bunch of shit flies out of the cupboards. And uh, then it shows one of the girls cutting her hand while she's, like, slicing an apple. Right. I think... And that... That's all that happens. Yeah. I forget who that is. It doesn't matter. It does not matter in the least. What? Well, I mean, that is talk about a, a useless fucking scene. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's the evening again, <laughs> and all the the girls are going to go out and they're going to get something to eat. In fact, um, I guess Victoria is going to stay behind. She's going to vacuum the house in the dark. While in the dark, like in the pitch fucking dark, yeah. while they go out and get something to eat. She does it for like five seconds before the lights start to blink. And then creepy eyes appear outside the window. She's being chased by the Gozerian dogs. Yeah, she opens up a closet, sees basically a giant Jawa inside. (laughs) (laughs) She runs around and she screams and blood starts to appear under the bathroom door. And she's freaking the fuck out, right? Because she's like hiding in the bathroom. She thinks this creature's out there and, uh, and she's like freaking. And then the door opens and... There's another Michael Jackson thriller moment. That's right. That's exactly right. It's it's Jim and Debbie. And Debbie has one of her finest moments. What's the matter? I love how she has that's it's such like a Sweeney Todd moment. What's the matter with you? Ah, I'm some pizza. It's good. <laughs> so I don't believe that. Boy. <laughs> they don't seem to believe that she's had this horrific experience, even though, you know, one of the people who isn't believing her can move shit around with his mind. <laughs> yeah, that's that stuff's all fake. My mind moving stuff, that's real. <laughs> so the next scene, I mean, this shit, 
Like, what is happening in this movie at this point? Yeah, because the very you next see... thing that happens is she uses her newfound ability to open the fridge. Open the fridge. Just a little while ago, by the way, she was able to, from a different room, make one of the other characters fall all over herself. Right. Now she's using her skill to open a fridge, but it doesn't quite work because a bunch of yogurt gets all over her face, which I'm sure sure that's a common occurrence in a relationship with John Wintergate. Uh, 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 (laughs) In fact, John, who apparently sleeps in the corner in the kitchen, (laughs) immediately, (laughs) immediately appears. And what does he say? Oh, this is her. Do it agree <laughs> Yogurt. Ew. What happened to you? You clean the refrigerator? The hard way, I see. Jesus. <laughs> the hard way, what I see. What a terrible line reading. The hard way, I see. And she tries to play it off. She goes, haven't you ever heard of a yogurt facial? Gross. But if, and then, I, love, I love his response, though, because his response is the best. Like, instead of being like, oh, well, here's a towel. Go clean yourself up. He <laughs> picks her up and puts her in the shower. He picks her up over his shoulder, yeah. over his shoulder brings her into her, the shower with her clothes on. Right. And then has sex with her in the shower. Yes. Oh, by the way, while that's happening, we see the black-gloved killer outside, and he kills that cat. Remember that cat from earlier? <laughs> he kills the fuck out of it with a Yeah, you remember that cat who we haven't seen for 45 minutes? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he kills the shit it's out dead of that now. cat. Puts it, puts it in a fucking uh, gift box, and and we'll see that yeah. gift box later. A fancy gift box, A while uh, the post-sex, we see uh, Jim get into his exercise machine, which is one of those deals where you lock yourself into, like, it's almost like a board that you lay back on, and then it flips upside down so you can do sit-ups. Right. Uh, and, uh, and she thinks it's awesome. That Victoria is very enamored with Jim after he uh, caveman-like <laughs> brought her into the shower. <laughs> and rapes her, basically. And, yeah, basically. I mean... What a great... Horrible person. What a, what a great man. So now it's nighttime again, okay? So <laughs> this might be the same night. Who knows? Like, uh, who, it's, I swear if you started to piece together the timeline of this, there's no way that those guys could have been... Like, that, like this time had to have taken more than a week because of the daytime-nighttime switches. Right. So uh, the, we see that the filthy gardener outside, he uh, digs up the ice pick, I think. I couldn't tell what the hell was going on. Any scene where it's uh, dark, you're just like... Fuck it, I'm giving up on trying to understand what any of this stuff is. Yeah, like. and then we see a really quick bit where Victoria stabs Pam, I think. Uh, and then Victoria wakes up and it was just a dream. Right. Because who knows what's real and what's not at this fucking point. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's to, it, 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 things are breaking down. <laughs> it kind of makes you. It kind of makes you wonder if he shot a bunch of if he shot a bunch of people being killed and then shot a bunch of people being uh, woken up fast. You know, just so that he could decide whether or not later he wanted to make it a dream or not. <laughs> and then, and then, now it's the next day. <laughs> but it's okay, everybody. Everyone can relax. The the party is coming. We know that because Victoria and Pam, who I guess don't hate each other anymore, <laughs> or maybe they do. Who knows? They're making pies. They're making apple, lemon it's meringue, not cherry Pam. pies. It's Sandy who's making the pie. Sandy? Oh, okay. So maybe maybe Pam isn't doing so well. Maybe maybe she has broken arms or something. Yeah. Um, so they're making pies, and Jim comes in, and then he uses his power to slam a pie into Victoria's face. Because he maybe, is Maybe a, he has a mess fetish or something. He, he must be into splosh. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> uh, 
So then she uh, slams the uh, pie into his face, and then they just start throwing pies yeah, at each other. It's it's really unfortunate because those pies looked awful. Well, you know what bothered me most about this scene is that they said one of the pies were cherry, but none of there the was no pie red goo was red, and that made me very upset because I wanted to see. Yeah, she's my cherry pie. Wow. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, by the way, remember that box with the dead cat in it? Yep. Victoria gets it. She, uh, Debbie's in the dining room or something, a room we've never actually seen before, at least from this angle. I think this is actually said, the first time where they start, to, they start to really tip you off that Debbie's the bad one. What? Mo? What? De- Debbie? Yes, because she's in there. She's toying with the, uh, with the box. Uh, and she and she says she says I think Jim left this out for you. Oh yeah, right. You know? Jim left this out, so she opens the box and she flips the fuck out. And guess what? She thinks that Jim actually did leave it for her. Yeah, because he did because, because he we, didn't have sex with her the night before. Right, and and of course they did have that pie incident. So maybe she thinks he was upset Granted. and went outside and killed the cat <laughs> with a hammer. Do a pie on my face. Gush, gush. And it, by the way, she runs like she she leaves, and he's chasing after, her, wondering what the hell's going gone wrong. Back on the and they run down that railway track. I love. I like, love how far where, did they go? I love where he goes to to jump over the the track and gets his foot caught and falls over. I mean, I don't know if yes. that's intentional or not. It might have been intentional, but either way, it's really ridiculous. Yeah. So so she. After he falls like a moron, she goes back and he's like dumbfounded. He doesn't know what the cat thing is all about, of course. Right. And there's no fallout from this at all. None. We go straight from there to the party having. <laughs> yeah, because now it's like, but yeah, there's no conversation at all about, okay, so who actually did this then? You know? I, uh, Mo, I own two cats. If my wife suspected that I murdered one of them, or even if someone else murdered them and gave uh, and gave a box to her with the corpse in it, she she would kill me whether I was responsible or right. not. Uh, I mean, she, I would be done for. But she also wouldn't be able to, like, leave the house for probably two months. But this, they go and have a party immediately afterwards. It's that, it's that night. Pumpkin dies and they throw a party. Yep. Pumpkin. That is the cat's name, by the way. Pumpkin. <laughs> so, uh, One of the few th- names I actually is- caught in the film. This is a, this is a really big party. You know it is because there's a fire eater and uh, <laughs> slash magician. magician slash magician same guy. Yeah, it's a fire eater slash magician. Uh, <laughs> I know a couple. And of somebody those. <laughs> somebody pulls up in a red Ferrari and it's Victoria's agent, and oh. he looks like a ridiculous dick bag. He 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 is a, literally a walking phallus. I mean, he yes. he. I've never seen a human being look more like a dick in my life. Yeah. Absolutely, and of course, the first thing he comes in, he comes in and says hello to Victoria, Debbie's there, and he goes, uh, can you sing or dance? And she goes, I can do anything you want. Right. Think about how, in John Wintergate's mind, think about what women are. <laughs> <laughs> what do they exist for? Yeah, it's kind of funny that he would put all this, put all this thought into making a horror film when clearly his mind is in porn. <laughs> so uh, Debbie and, and the uh, producer guy, uh, the agent, they go upstairs to fuck because... Are you uh, sure it's I mean, Debbie or is it not Sandy? I'm pretty sure it's Debbie. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. In fact, I know that almost certainly because of what happens a little bit later. Ah. Oh, um, right, right, right. You're right. 
So, yeah, so Debbie, she's wooing the agent. Victoria is very incompetently playing pool. <laughs> and then Joel arrives. Remember Joel? Goofy old Joel fell down Well, the Victoria's course? only playing pool so that Joel can ogle her ass as he walks in, yeah. basically. Right. Which, by the way, remember that Colossu is John Wintergate's wife. Right. <laughs> Colossus so, uh, don't like ogling. <laughs> so Joel arrives and uh, Jim comes out because Joel has a, the contract that they talked about a few times, you know, at the beginning of the fucking movie. Yeah. So he has that contract and Jim comes out they and he's never decided. Explain. Jim comes out. He's decided to wear a candy striped shirt oh, to this party. That shirt. Uh, yeah, it's 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 something I, else. It is something else. <laughs> oh, uh, so the party's going on and the cops arrive. Right. Yeah. And uh, they're not here to have fun. Damn straight. They're here. They're here on official business. You know, Cindy hasn't been seen. Uh, or actually, she has been seen. Her corpse <laughs> has been seen because it washed up on the beach two hours ago. Right. So they say, they they asked Jim about it, right? He says the last time he saw Cindy was yesterday, yesterday at the beach. At the beach. There's no fucking way that that could have happened yesterday. <laughs> there's there's, there's, no also, there's <laughs> also no fucking way that they would have not arrested him on the spot. Once, By the way, once he said he had been with her at the beach yesterday. I can prove that it didn't happen yesterday. Okay. Remember he told them about the story, about the note, when they were having breakfast, when he was levitating the right. egg? Right. There's been a night since then. Right. That had to be the morning afterwards. Oh, my God. Wow. This movie. <laughs> so this cop, the, the cop friend of Jim, uh, he's like, yeah, I mean, they're suspicious about... What happened is how Cindy ended up dead, <laughs> especially because the last time she was seen was going to the beach with him, right. and he came back alone. Because yeah. <laughs> there's nothing at all suspicious about that. I like how he takes, even though the cop is basically saying, yeah, you probably murdered this girl, uh, which, I mean, looking at him, it probably almost certainly is true. <laughs> uh, but he takes a little time to also explain that there's a history to this house. Okay, I'm taking this to the station let me tell you something else. I've just been checking up on that house, and you should know a couple of things, huh? Number one, ten years ago tonight, Mr. and Mrs. Hoffman died at a party here. And they couldn't find any buyers for this house. Now, there's Cindy. And before that, your uncle. So this guy <sighs> thinks that is like, because the house is, like, possessed or something, that's why this girl died. I'd like to see him use that as a defense. By the way, one of the great things about that line, or those lines, was that he says, 10 years ago tonight, Mr. and Mrs. Hoffman died at a party. His response should be, who the fuck are Mr. and Mrs. Hoffman? Right, exactly. <laughs> we know who they are. Oh, no, no, he knows who they are, too, actually. Because uh, remember, remember there's the scene before where Victoria's reading the book, and uh, and it's written by Hoffman, and he... Oh, that's right. And he that's talks right, briefly about how the guy was like, oh, he was spot on. Right, that's right. He's a great telekinesis right. guy. Uh, so the band is playing uh, because even though there's been a murder investigation occurring, that is not enough to stop the party. Have we mentioned uh, the band's name yet? Oh, that we find out right now that the band is called Thirty Three and a Third. Thirty Three and a Third, and that's Victoria's band. I by the way. love vinyl references. <laughs> my, my, my band is personally called Forty Five. 
Well, I mean, it's not as good of a name as Lightstorm. No, it's not. But <laughs> but it's pretty good. There's actually, I looked up to see if there was still a band called 33 and One Third, and there is, but it's a t- totally different band. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a name that's too good not to use. It is too good not to use. Uh, <laughs> the cop is investigating people, like asking them questions about when they last saw Debbie. This is so amusing. He talks to one of the girls who's like all kind of flighty and drunken, and she just walks away from him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, remember that black girl from earlier? Nope. Well, you might recall that she was a school teacher. That's very important. Right. It's literally the only thing about her. The only thing we know about her, except for this scene, where uh, she brings a, a drink to the cop, who suddenly gets a goofy look on his face, pulls out his gun, and shoots her. Right. And then, then if that wasn't enough, the gun starts to rotate towards his own face. Actually, I have I have the whole clip there. All right, let's hear yeah, it. It's this is great. I because the part you had said to grab was awesome, but I wanted to get the whole thing for the full yeah. effect. We need context. Evil noise. Somebody is not a fan of Daniel Bryan. <laughs> and then he shoots himself in the face. The three wrestling fans out there will... With our audience, well, I'm sure there's a great, great number that got that. Yeah, well, yeah, because that's the sort of, you know, basement dwellers we uh, <laughs> we have listening to this show. And we love every... I'm not saying we don't. I'm just saying you're all a bunch of nerds. Anyway, um... <laughs> Yeah, but, but he, doesn't, he doesn't shoot himself in the face. He shoots himself in the neck, and that's the best part. It's like right in the yeah, you're neck. Right. You're right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this uh, telekinesis, is, it, it, the, the aim on it is never quite on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the gardener guy, he finds the – oh, by the way, remember that gardener guy? <laughs> that's the guy you want invited to your party. <laughs> so he finds the corpse. Honor. He finds the corpse and runs away, and then he gets stabbed, but we don't actually see what he gets stabbed. Or, like, we see it, but I don't know what the fuck it was. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so he, he gets stabbed and wanders out by the pool and falls down, and people just think that he's a big drunk. Right. They don't give a shit. I know, I didn't. Lol. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did it and for the lols. At that same time, uh, Debbie and Pam are fighting over the agent. They're fighting over like his attention, right? Well, I think Pam yells at Debbie. He goes, "She goes, are you possessive?" <laughs> Under the circumstances, that doesn't seem likely. <laughs> <laughs> but it is sort of like a uh, uh, sort of an interesting. Well, not interesting. Nothing's that interesting in this film. Um, uh, coincidental use of the term. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so Pam goes into the kitchen. Uh, and after this fight, and uh, she gets possessed. She gets her head crushed, basically. Yeah, she claws her own eyes out, yeah. and then uh, her eyes fall into some of the food as well, which is amusing. Which I thought was fun. <laughs> and yeah, so she her head she basically crushes her own skull. She's dead. Yeah, she goes in the kitchen. And by the way, like you said, 
the it's becoming the hints are becoming stronger and stronger. Can I say for the record Ooh. that by this point, I, I, there's so much ridiculous shit happening that I kind of really lost track of what was happening. And from from this point on, I will have no real idea of what's actually happening. In this I movie. got it, man. I got the Good. notes right here. <laughs> because I know exactly what's happening. I have all the so audio Pam, clips. I just have no idea what the hell is happening. So Pam just clawed her own eyes out right. <laughs> into the food. Uh, we cut to the agent who is sitting uh, at a table with a mannequin head and a can of Coca-Cola. Right. And he says... <laughs> Uh, you may notice that there's a lot of screaming in the background. Right. <laughs> That's because the crowd discovered the gardener's body. And, like they realized that he wasn't drunk; that he was dead. Right. At the same time, uh, <laughs> I like how it, you, you can't hear it in that scene, but in, like there's all these people like yelling in the background, and one of them goes, "Call an ambulance, goddammit. it!" <laughs> <laughs> But by the way, having a table with a mannequin head and a can of Coke just to get that joke about head and some Coke, that's a long way to go it, for a dumb it, it fucking really joke. It really is. That's a stupid fucking joke, and it's... Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, anyway, Bedlam is happening at this point. Uh, the agent, who I guess is not noticing all the screaming, he starts making out with Debbie. Jim finds the cop's body, right. uh, and he suddenly is convinced that the house might be possessed. <laughs> And this is when shit breaks down. Yeah. So Jim goes inside the house to uh, while Debbie is making out with the agent, and she starts to get really creepy while she's making out with him. She starts calling him daddy, uh, and uh, a, a fog machine starts <laughs> <laughs> pouring fog into the room. Uh, and so the suggestion, I guess, from here is that uh, Debbie had a relationship with her own father. Ah, Right. That makes sense. And her father was Mr. What's his name? Ho- Hoffman. <laughs> Mr. Hoffman. Yeah. Her father was Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> uh, and as she gets more and more uh, into this, well, uh, as she starts, as she starts to reveal who she is, uh, the agent starts to bleed from his eyes. And uh, because now she's kind of she sees him as her father because he is an older gentleman, uh, she says. That she's going to kind of possess him forever. In fact, she says it. I swallow your soul. I swallow your soul. That voice effect is great. It is pretty actually. great. But uh, it's too bad it went from her awful accent to "Oh, I shall have your heart." Actually, the next line does it even better. Um, but I mean, we don't have the audio for that one. But the right. next line, it's it's a real clear. Distinction where she goes from one word to the next uh, into the uh, into that ridiculous voice. <laughs> so she, uh, his heart basically rises out of his chest, right? She makes it float out of his fucking chest, uh, and then Jim runs into the room. He discovers everything that's going on, and all of a sudden, everything clicks in his mind, and he goes, "D Deborah, Deborah Hoffman, you're Deborah Hoffman, <laughs> Debbie," <laughs> and. And they proceed to have a psychic battle where they stare at each other and they use their psychic abilities against one another. She mind... Uh, I love how my notes say, she mind attacks Jim. <laughs> she, she mind attacks Jim. And he's losing, in fact, because, you know, she is the super psychic. Right. But then Victoria arrives, right? Colossu arrives yeah. and... Colossu, mind attack! The combined power of the two, it starts to work. In fact, let's hear it. 
<laughs> Everything in this film goes on for like a minute longer than it has to. Uh, focus he on also the white t- light. That's right. He goes, focus on the white light. He just says it to Victoria over and over again. And the fog is getting crazy. I mean, like the, there's so much smoke. I, I, my no- my notes here say they look ridiculous. Uh, this It's the most epic battle I've ever seen where nothing happens. It ends with a video effect taking Debbie out. Like, they don't do anything. Right. The video effect does right, all the work. Right. <laughs> and uh, we hear sirens in the background as it then goes back to the uh, the computer screen from the beginning to tell us what happened to everybody. Ugh. This is so fucking ridiculous <sighs> and unnecessary. Uh, I don't have like, I don't like, I don't have everything that happens, but we do learn that Jim, Jim Royce, uh, he, in the future, right? I guess 1983, he's now working as a digital systems analyst for the space program. Of course, he is. Uh, oh, sorry, digital systems analysis. Right. Victoria, she's now a hot RCA property on a world promo tour. Colossu, big star. She, she, it, things are really working out for her. <laughs> Unfortunately for Deborah Hoffman, she's, uh, she's labeled a homicidal maniac. She's baffled the authorities, her, and yeah, they're right. still searching. Yeah, I was say they still searching for her body. Yeah. Ridiculous. And, uh, and we learn that someone has purchased the property. And perhaps they're setting up a sequel. And in fact, just as of a couple of years ago, uh, John Wintergate was still talking about doing a sequel to Boarding House. Oh, that, that's what we need. I would totally watch that, I, actually. I, I probably would, too. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of this crazy, ridiculous, bizarrely pieced together movie, which, you know what? I would love to know how long the original script for this movie 7,000 pages long. Right? It just must have been this epic mishmash that the idea of either of that or this it was much... three pages long <laughs> we'll just go out and film as much as we I got can. this great idea. The idea it's in my head of all of this action taking place over the period of a week basically right. is so i mean you cannot believe it it's once you get to the end nonsense it's total it's nonsense. balderdash <laughs> flim flam it's total uh, flim flam the thing about this movie is that though it's awful and it doesn't make any sense and it feels like it's just pieced together randomly, it's like a roguelike movie, uh, is that it's not boring because shit is always happening. Uh, I know you had trouble today with it, Mo, because it felt just so long. <sighs> well, for me it was, man. I started at like noon or one and I finished about... Five minutes before we started recording, like it took me, <laughs> it took me an ungodly. I mean, just for the record, for the people listening, there we started recording at what, like nine? Yeah, uh, we ended up start. Yeah, we, we we got on on Skype together at nine. <laughs> so you literally spent like eight hours watching. I re- this yeah, it movie. took yeah, and like between the distractions in my house, which I have to admit are numerous, uh, and and the <laughs> uh, the distractions of you know in my head from the from the terrible audio that you know uh, i posted about it uh today about how bad the audio was on this about what they did with it and like yeah six of like my audio friends all responded back to me like oh that's fucking awful <laughs> <laughs> so i had a little bit of sympathy today but man well if you want to have more sympathy 
Not for you. For the devil? That's enough sympathy. For, yeah, sympathy for the devil. <laughs> well, maybe the poor devils who watched this movie in theaters yeah. back in 1982. Because, yes, this movie was. It was it was transferred to 35mm uh, and was actually projected in theaters at that time period. And I can't even imagine sitting down and watching this in a theater. No. That would be the greatest experience in the world. <laughs> uh, and, in fact, I think they... Um, down in Cinefamily in L.A., they might have actually had some screenings just a couple of years ago, and, and this is a movie that kind of got rediscovered, uh, especially because historically, especially for the kind of movies that we like, this is an incredibly important movie. Right. Right? First one shot on video, first one that, that got shot on video and got like a wide release, and, and this movie was kind of like a regular institution in VHS, uh, in like rental shops all throughout the 80s, uh, and, and there's like tons of versions of it out there. But the idea of this movie having like a super special edition DVD, I mean, that's lots of movies have that sort of thing these days. But the idea of watching this movie with another hour on top of it, I like I said, I got to experience that just to see if like all of this craziness, if somehow it's explained. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably watch it at some point, too, but it's going to be a damn long time before I before I get there. Tomorrow, tomorrow morning. First thing. (laughs) No, no, no. I have to spend the next week watching Roger Moore films. (laughs) <laughs> now, Mo, close your eyes a moment. Oh, do I have to? And ask yourself, where do you begin and where do you end? <laughs> that That is written at the bottom of Lightstorm's website, which is www.lightstormmusicandbooks.com. If you want to find out what Jonama and Colossus have been doing for the past, well, let's see, 1982, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, the past yeah. 30 years. 32 years. Uh, they have been making albums, and they've been exploring their spirituality and discovering where they begin. Colossus sing they like end. bird. And if you look on YouTube, you can find lots and lots of recordings of them, and you can check out what they look like now. Uh, uh, Colossus actually looks very similar to how she did back then, uh, while John looks like um, a very very old version of. It. <laughs> So he looks like he looks like if he was the Michael Jackson zombie from Thriller, say he was buried for thirty years. He looks yeah, he looks like one of those like <laughs> desiccated mummies without their wrappings. This is we're get, this is getting really mean and personal. No, I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to be mean to him. He did. He yeah. he made this movie, and for that, I guess I'm sort of thankful. But uh, or else we would have nothing to talk about this week. Uh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> I if I had to guess, and again, uh, I do know that there's a commentary on the on the DVD of this film, but I haven't actually listened to it. I would guess that this. I mean, this is the only movie that John Wintergate ever directed. At least that's the only one he's ever been credited for on IMDb. Him and Kalasu were in the film Terror on Tour mm. in 1980. So I imagine that uh, part of the reason that they ended up. Uh, uh, working on this together, it came from their experience on that. I'm sure. Uh, and I've never seen that film, actually. Have you ever seen Terror on Tour? I, you know, it, it was a long time ago. Right. I, I mean, I, all these musical-themed horror movies tend to blur together yeah. in my brain. Uh, I don't, to, to, to my knowledge, there isn't anyone uh, particularly of note who worked on this <laughs> film. I mean, John Wintergate did so many of the uh, of, of of the tasks himself. Right. Um I mean, it, it's uh, it's amazing that anyone else had time to do anything. The director of photography did go on to do a bunch of, like, TV and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's this is 1982, man. This is a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. 
it feels like it. It feels it feels like a remnant of an entirely different era because when you think about the shot on video movies of the late eighties, early nineties, your Tachits and that sort of era, uh, they look nothing like this. Right. To, to be honest, Boarding House looks more like uh, how you would expect a movie to look, uh, <laughs> not in terms of its structure of its plot, but you know, it it, it it has a large cast, a whole bunch of different locations, it seems to have a plot, it <laughs> it ends with the, I mean, I know, but you know, it, it you could you could at least start watching this as someone who does not watch shot on video horror films right. and and get over the fact that it's shot on video fairly quickly, right. but you won't get over the fact that it is completely nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> like it's total horseshit all the way through. <laughs> oh Debbie, no <laughs> No <laughs> Focus on the white light. <laughs> it's it, it is a, it's an amusing movie and it because of its importance historically, I think it's uh if you're a fan of shot on video horror or micro budget cinema that you should probably check it out. Especially because it does have like a big special edition can, with like music videos yeah, and stuff. I can agree I can agree with that. But taken on its own merits, it is a very poor film. <laughs> and it's also one that uh feels so jerky because of how it's structured and because of how it's laid out that it's kind of maddening to watch. Well, yeah, for, I mean, for people like us. Even for, I mean, and we're not regular. I mean, anyone who listens knows we're not regular people. No. We're not normal. No, you're not. We're not normies. <laughs> we're, not, so, we're not the norms. Our tolerance levels are pretty high for this sort of Ungodly thing. Ungodly high, but, yeah. But if you're coming into this with little knowledge of what you're in for, you are probably going to be left wondering what the fuck you're watching and then just turn it off. Right. right? I could, I could, That's probably what would I happen. I could see a lot of people turning this off. Don't turn it off. Yeah, think about it this way. Yeah, or do. Yeah. I don't care. I'm not making any money off of this. <laughs> Keep it on. There's tits. <laughs> so that's a boarding house mode. Yeah. It's a, a boarding house. It was a body house, <laughs> and it got a little boring house, yeah. and now it's over house. Uh, last but didn't quite work. No. Uh, Mo, yes. this episode is running a little long. <laughs> you but, think? Uh, <laughs> it took us two us... hours talking about an hour and 38 movie. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> That's right. We, we, of course, talked longer than the last fucking do. movie. Well, this was the last episode of No Budget Nightmares for 2013. Right. But we do have the next episode scheduled, and we're going to be doing something a little special after that. So the next episode is going to feature what other shot-on-video classic Mo? Isn't that? It's going to be uh, Redneck Zombies, right? Redneck Zombies. That's this exciting. Actually I, I actually, I'm, I'm not going to, well, I don't want to go too into it, but I am lo- really looking forward to this one. Yeah, 1989's yeah. Redneck Zombies. I think this might be one of the most well-known Shot on video, shot on video horror movies because it was released by Trauma right. because it's uh, been cons- consistently available on both VHS and DVD. It just seems to be. I mean, I think uh, even Ashley Montgomery, who uh, hosts Above the Line podcast with me, she's even seen Redneck Zombies. And she's and she seen nothing. Yeah, she's seen <laughs> nothing. Uh, so I mean, this I think this one is going to be a lot of fun, a good way to start the new year. But after that, this is where it gets we, exciting. This is where it gets exciting. We're going to throw it out to you, the listeners, 
to choose what our next movie after Redneck Zombies is going to be. Over on our Facebook page, and possibly, and we'll certainly link it from the website as well, uh, we are going to put an array of films with also, also the ability for people to add on their favorites, and we're going to see which ones get the most votes, and then we're going to watch whatever you tell us to watch. doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. God, please don't make it anything. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we should, well, we should clarify. It's not anything. You, you ask us to watch Armageddon, it's not going to happen. If enough people vote for Armageddon, we should watch uh, Armageddon. No. They're not. They're not going to do that. No, now that, we, now that we've said I, it, the three people I the feel like us listening. saying this. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it's going to be viewer's choice uh, or listener's choice, and it's going to be very, very exciting. So next episode, Redneck Zombies. Episode after that, listener's choice. Look for that over on the Facebook Group and we'll probably uh, have that listeners' choice, you know, poll up for a couple of weeks. I'd imagine. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have it up uh, probably by the time this episode yeah. drops, uh, if we remember. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! So during your your holiday vacation, be sure to uh, to choose something for us. Uh, if you want to learn more about no budget nightmares, and who would, or if you want, sorry, and who wouldn't? And who wouldn't? Everyone would. You want to delve into the history of No Budget Nightmares, uh, you certainly should join that Facebook group. We've been posting classic episodes. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, of course, we have a lot of uh, And by we, we mean you. <laughs> yes, me. I get excited about these things. But if you really just want to have a kind of a central location for finding all this information and all the links, you can just go over to NoBudgetPodcast.com, our recently launched website, oh, yeah. uh, which has links to both Mo and my own Twitter feed, which is you are at Drunk on VHS. You can respond with mine. Oh, and you are <laughs> you are at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. <laughs> and it also has uh, links to the Facebook group. And, of course, it has our entire archive of episodes. I gotta tell you, man, it's all... been a couple of weeks, but I'm still, I'm still excited about that. Like the idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I love, I like how it's laid out. I like how, uh, and I find myself listening to those episodes. I, that sounds so egocentric. It really is. But, it, <laughs> but the fact is, we haven't had full access, like everything together, like this before. Uh, it's been a while. And it's been a while. Now, recently, uh, fairly recently, people have had to switch to our new. Feed, I really hope everybody's new, been doing that too. Yeah, new our new iTunes feed. So if you are listening to this and have yet to do that, please do that. And also, while you're doing it, why not leave us a review? You love us. You love Mo and myself. Be a good opportunity to leave us a review. And if you want to listen to us over on Stitcher, we're over there as well. We're anywhere you want to be or could be. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. And of Is course, if any, and of course, if anybody wants to listen to my show, because uh, you know I have a show too. <laughs> uh, this is your show. Well, I have, I have, I have two shows, as do you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could go over and listen to Drunk on VHS. All uh, same, same idea. My entire archive is at drunkonvhs.com. Right, and you can also listen to my other podcast, the Above the Line podcast, at abovethelinepodcast.com, or read my writing over at dailygrindhouse.com. Right, they're all linked together. We're all part of one big, happy, comfortable. Harry family (laughs) (laughs) and you can experience us on a daily basis even outside the confines of this podcast it's true it's true it's wonderful we are wretched all over the internet we are wretched's the word (laughs) and also of course if you want to leave us feedback you can do that through the website there's a there's some feedback place there but we're easy to find that's very true mo next time redneck zombies that's exciting 
That is super exciting. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. But I do think it's time that we wish our loyal listeners a happy holiday. Uh, Don't take the Christ out of Christmas. What? (laughs) I will if I want to. (laughs) Jesus Christ, serial rapist coming soon. (laughs) Why didn't we do that one for Christmas? Uh, we should start thinking about like when these episodes are going to post and uh, and try to plan around them. We can start doing that in 2014. Right. That'll be exciting. <laughs> All right, everybody. Happy festivals, everyone. Have yourselves a merry little Christmas. Showing me his hammer 